I would say front and center on everyone's mind is consumption and more consumption-based offerings, really. So it's less, it's more about what does the customer want? The customer, you know, what we're seeing in the marketplace is they want to have the option to spend how they want to spend in the month they want to spend. So kind of gone are the antiquated kind of month-to-month deals, more radical, and it's all about consumption. Where there's a bit of a divergence is how you get there, right? But to be able to influence deal structure. And that's been a real game changer. And then um, we've also been able to bring the, the revenue accounting element of that. How do you get to revenue faster? Are there small tweaks we can make? Or can we understand what the customer wants, what the motivation of the business is, and help to be that bridge? Dollars. Dollars. Meaning you work with numbers? Oh, it's so much more than that. Modernization by streamlining the process. So let's get right down to business. And modern problems require modern solutions. Elementary, my dear Holmes. Elementary. Consider it done. This is The Closers. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode's podcast. I'm joined by Jackie Meir, VP of Revenue Accounting at Genesis today. Welcome, Jackie. So grateful to have you here. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. We're going to start the episode with our off the ledger segment to get to know you a little bit before we get down to business. So let's roll. So I'm uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, when you tell people that you work in accounting, there's probably all kinds of, you know, kind of crazy assumptions uh, about exactly what it is you do. And I, I especially feel that way when it has accounting and then some other term before it. I know this personally. Um, kind of curious, what's the craziest assumption or the silliest question that someone's asked you about your job currently? Well, it's definitely interesting. Almost unanimously, you get tax questions, you know, <laughs> and, and or, oh, don't call the IRS on me sort of thing. And it's like, I have almost nothing to do with taxes. I've got a fantastic tax team. I rely on that. <laughs> I barely get, you know, do my own taxes. Um, And Mm -hmm. so that's probably, you know, the number one, probably craziest slash false assumption uh, that I get. (laughs) I get the same thing. It's usually sometime beginning of April. People are like, are you so busy? And I may be busy because, you know, it's the end of, uh, say, Q1 with a March 31st end. Uh, But nobody really kind of understands that they think I'm busy because of taxes. So I completely understand where you're coming from. (laughs) So one of the questions that um, I started asking at the beginning of the podcast and now am incorporating it into every single um, time I have a conversation with a guest is around how you refer to the holistic revenue process. Do you think of it as order to revenue, quote to cash? Like, how do you reference that in your day to day? Yeah. So I would say neither. I actually really think of it as opportunity to renewal, right? And the the reason behind that is in our twofold, right? If you look at both spectrums is in an integrated world, so much information can be captured at the opportunity level. So if you start from there and even, you know, leading with that empathetic stroke that if you're capturing information from a customer basis and you do it at the opportunity and you effectively throw it through, flow it through from the quote perspective, it can be a huge game changer. And then, you know, depending on how or, you know, the whatever deal is structured, it could be cash that leads, it could be revenue that leads, you know, that's, that's really kind of the specs of the deal. 
But if you think about it, and I tend to think about it through the renewal process, that really carries the customer holistically, not only, you know, logistically and tactically, how efficient is the, does the renewal process flow through the Genesis back office? But also, will the customer um, renew? And is it is it something within our control that will allow for the renewal? And so if you think about it that way, I, I really think that's kind of the cradle to grave. Love that. And I have had so many different responses. It's the first time I've heard renewal, but I'm totally going to incorporate that one now because it makes perfect sense. It's not just the initial journey, but the ongoing journey as well. And I think that's really important to not lose sight of, especially in today's world with, you know, the importance of recurring revenue and and everything there. So, you know, reducing churn and and having a high customer retention rate is is critical. So I think that makes perfect sense. And especially too on the opportunity side, there's so much more that goes into revenue accounting, as you and I know, um, when it comes to the data that's actually needed and having the opportunity captured is a great place to to really start all of that because it's really comes down to all of that data that you need. Love the answer. <laughs> okay, so let's move into your work a little bit. Would love to know, we'll, we'll get to what you're doing currently, but would really love to know about your career journey. You know, I, I know you've been through like auditing and being controller. Um, there's been uh, strategic initiatives involved in that and now, you know, into this revenue accounting um, role. So how did you, what was sort of like the evolution of that career journey for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I've never been the type to say I want to be CFO or I want to be CEO or CAO. I've always been motivated by I want to love what I do. I want to be challenged. And I know myself, I don't like to do the same thing twice. And if I do it twice, I'm going to want to do it better, faster, in a more controlled way to really continue to challenge myself. And that's what's really motivated me. So, you know, I started uh, through a public accounting journey. And so um, with the intent of as much as I didn't know what I wanted to do, I knew I didn't want to stay there forever and make a career of it. Um, so I was there, you know, for the four busy seasons or so. And then from there, it was, you know, what what really motivated me? What really excited me? And I went into a world of um, SEC reporting and I loved it. I did as much writing. You know, I was an accountant that didn't own a calculator at the time. And <laughs> I loved writing and researching and all of that. And then from there, I actually stumbled into an opportunity where the intent was to go into and continue down that path. And what ended up happening instead, life happens. Um, and there was a series of merger and acquisitions. And I found myself more and more into a world of more operations and standing up uh, corporate um, back office um, is still within the accounting realm, but more standing that that function up with reporting, but really feeding more into a parent, but realizing, you know, we don't have cash flow set up. We need standard processes in that corporate um, accounting realm, but not as much leading the SEC reporting. And I found a niche that I really loved and, you know, um, just... <laughs> dove right into that. And then from there really morphed into, you know, I actually think it's the problem solving, the really complex problem solving. And I don't have a hesitation, sometimes to a fault, um, a hesitation <laughs> to speak up and really challenge the status quo. And why are we doing it this way? And have we thought about this? And, you know, I really think of 
work is, you know, like a Rubik's cube, if you will. There's nine cubes on any given front, but there's six sides to the cube. And so really thinking about what what is it about this problem that's that's on maybe a surface of that cube that we haven't seen yet. And let's flip the cube and think about it from a different dimension. And that's really what has led me um, even to this role. I took this on um, with, there was a whole host of issues that we were having. We had we had had um, a significant restatement. We had a, as a result of that, we had a material weakness. I took on a team that, you know, we didn't adopt 606 very well. We put in a system that was meant to be integrated, but we never addressed the upstream processes or systems that really we had a key dependency on. And we were still kind of thinking 605 and just trying to translate it to a 606 world. And that just, it wasn't meant to work. We had a 90-day close. So I came into this role about a year and a half ago with the intent to transform, to really get organized. And I think objectives based, goal-oriented, um, really streamlined organization is is exactly what we needed in this case. So I came in strong with, with that in mind, um, made really clear goals and initiatives, um, and with the ultimate goal of a much quicker close, clear the material weakness, and really bring confidence back to uh, back to the world of revenue accounting and take that seat at the table and drive the change throughout the organization. I love that. And I think you might be my spirit animal. <laughs> I, had, I had a similar journey starting in auditing, have a passion for, I'll say, problem solving and maybe have something more around um, my my career goals being around enjoying what I do and, and helping the overall business as opposed to getting to a specific title and, and that sort of thing. So um, I can fully appreciate everything you just said, and I, I love it. Um, and it sounds like you've been really successful with what you're doing at Genesis with all of the work around um, organization and process improvement and everything. So kudos to you. Um, so tell us a little bit now, since you've kind of cleaned everything up, I'm sure there's still a bit of that, but what else are you working on now? And what do you think about over like the next, you know, say 18 months or so? What are some of the things you're working on now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say twofold. Um, and they're really um, interrelated. And one is uh, SaaS transformation, right? And that's a big thing here at Genesis. And so Certainly, our products have transformed. Um, we are a cloud company. We made you know big push over the last few years to get there, but our end-to-end process hasn't transformed. And now is the time to really seize the moment. And so, SaaS transformation is front and center. In addition to that, it's really you know we have the impact of AI and we have the impact of of robotics and automation, and it goes really hand in hand. And that's really where so much focus is. Yet it's also the balance of, we have a team that we I have transformed um, and they have transformed over the last, you know, 18 months or so. So you there's also that acknowledgement of there's a lot of stress with that. Not everyone embraces the change as much and the boots on the ground feel a different kind of stress day in, day out than maybe I do as the leader. So it's it's balancing all of these, keeping the energy at the right level for the team, leading with the empathy. So, you know, those voices are heard, those concerns are heard, but then it's also an acknowledgement of we can't stay still. This is where we're going. Let's help each other get there. 
I love that. And for those that might be slower to maybe come along for the ride, let's say, (laughs) how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them excited? And like, what does that look like? Because I've seen very similar things as well in my past. And actually on a day-to-day basis, I think our natural tendency is a little bit of that, um, you know, fear of change, if you will. Um, So how do you help kind of bring folks along for the ride? Yeah. So I would say, you know, there's no one answer. There's no one size fits all. That would be so much easier if it was. <laughs> so I try to do spend a lot of time with my teams within one-on-ones and through series of coaching. You know, and I think there's also sometimes an acknowledgement of, you know, really, we're going to invest in you as a person. We're going to invest in this team. Um, back to kind of the Rubik's Cube of how I really try to look at things. Sometimes we need to slide individuals into a different role so that they can see, um, you know, I feel like the risk of complacency is huge, certainly within an organization as far as are your are your products and services risk of being complacent. There's also that element in, in the world of accounting. Have, has someone been doing the same thing too long and either risks not really remembering why they do what they do, or when challenged with it, can't necessarily or not necessarily willing to think outside of the box and too ingrained in, you know, knowledge is power. So really shaking that up, but in a way where if you get to know the person and can really drive empathetically, you, you, I've had 99.9% success in bringing them along for the ride and having them see the vision. I think context is key too providing the why are we asking this of you and context, even a little bit, even if there's portions you can't, you know, give full disclosure on little bits of context can go a really long way. That is a fabulous point. And I think one that gets missed a lot of times, you know, I think we all move so quickly. Sometimes even just providing that little bit of context, as you say, can be make all the difference in the world to let someone know how the work that they're doing regardless of how arduous it might be at the time, is going to ultimately lead to something better in the future for everybody. So I think that's a really great point. Hey there, I'm M. Daigle, Passionate Revenue Accountant and General Manager for Zora Revenue. I've been working on something really exciting that I don't think you're going to want to miss. On September 12th, we're going to be hosting our very first Modern Accounting Summit with our friends at EY, PwC, and Deloitte. It's a virtual event and we're offering CPE credits for it. So please join us as we talk about our state of revenue accounting report. We're also gonna be talking about generative AI as it relates to accounting workflows. And we're going to have a roundtable discussion with a number of accounting leaders. So again, you're not going to want to miss it. And if you can't join us live, please still register because you'll be eligible for those CPE credits even when you watch on demand. Hope to see you there. Let's jump to the general ledger. So Jackie, based on your experience, and then, you know, I'm sure you have conversations with some of your peers from other companies, or maybe some folks that you used to work with and keep in touch with, but what are some of the patterns that you are seeing um, when it comes to revenue accounting, revenue operations, all of that right now? That's a good question. So I would say front and center on everyone's mind is consumption. Um, and more <laughs> consumption-based um, um, offerings, really. So it's less, it's more about what does the customer want? The customer, you know, what we're seeing in the marketplace is they want to have the option to spend 
how they want to spend in the month they want to spend. So kind of gone are the antiquated kind of month to month deals more ratable. And it's all about consumption. Where there's a bit of a divergence is how you get there, right? Because even in the world, if you have the most agile of systems, trying to keep up with that and with the offering is ch- is challenging. And then how do you forecast consumption and how much of that forecast you get really, really linked between the accounting world and our forecasting world. Um, and that is most definitely a trend. There is a nut there to crack. We are well on our way, but you know, I, I'd be lying if I said we had the, you know, the perfect model uh, out there, but we are well on our way to, uh, to mastering it. Awesome. It's definitely a trend that I think I'm seeing across the market as well. Um, you know, I'm curious from your standpoint, because I, I hear different challenges from from different leaders. Curious what you found your biggest challenge at Genesis to be. Is it the data? Is it the system? Is it, like you said, forecasting? Like, And, and it may be a couple, but what are some of those biggest challenges for you specifically? You know, I would say it's really all of the above. I mean, if I go back to <laughs> I think, you know, I could say it would, it stems a lot from when we did not adopt 606 well. We really took 605 and, and I look, think of it as I'm not very good at foreign languages. And I think back as to why it's because I was just simply trying to translate as opposed to learn a new language. And that translation, it, it doesn't work, especially in, uh, in an integrated system and in a, um, in a, in a standard like 606 and what it's meant to be. And so it's really been breaking that down. One, having to clean up a lot of the sins of the past, right? And so being a little bit of a pooper scooper, if you will, of really having to clean up, but in a real-time world where things and offerings and the, the industry is moving so, so, so fast, and then to have to clean up a lot of that. And so I think it's definitely, um, I'd say the, as a result of all that, the data has been challenging. The because we've been behind on the eight ball, it's been rebuilding the um, the confidence, and also really, it's it's getting that seat at the table, which we've successfully done. In the world of six hundred five, you didn't really have to have a seat at the table as far as deal making. You really didn't. It was really driven off of off of the timing of billings, and so it was much more of a of a reactive, truly back office position, but it's restoring the confidence and um, being able to provide the data with confidence in the data uh, to really um, kind of almost prove a worth, if you will. There is a value to having the revenue accounting team at the table, and we are starting to realize that. Data is challenging, though. It's really challenging. The systems are challenging as well. And so the biggest um, probably advantage we've had there is we've really, um, I've built a team that focuses really on uh, SQL reporting. And so where we can really self-help ourselves and really tap into our own global data warehouse to get real-time information and then and really force these systems to come together um, and that's been a total game changer. Whereas, you know, maybe other groups um, are still a little bit more dependent on IT and putting tickets in. We're we're dealing with a tough data set, but um, reacting as real time as we possibly can. That's awesome. Good for you guys. It feels like you guys have really been able to pick apart the business 
put it maybe back together, but really tried to figure out the right path forward to help you guys going forward. So I'm kind of curious, like what has changed from the time when you started versus what you're kind of seeing now in your role, having been through, you know, maybe those last 18 months or so, and now like as you push forward and what you're doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I probably can't understate um, what I walked into, right? Even there was some low <laughs> hanging fruit. There was, you know, the, we have a, we had a fantastic team of people. They just weren't organized well, and they just needed some leadership and some clear direction. And there was so much going on that really there was an element of let's divide and conquer here. So much has to happen in a short time period. If we can divide and conquer and really keep people focused and then work on bringing this back together um, and trying to do it seamlessly. And so part of the divide and conquer was get a team to provide that stroke, that cord of relevancy and get that seat at the at the table with the confidence that we need as to why we're there. And there is a point to this and there is a benefit. And so we've gotten so much of that accomplished. And yeah, so that's probably the big difference is so much of the the tactical is accomplished that the difference is really now we're we're plowing ahead and finally in a position where heads are above water um, and we can talk SaaS transformation in, a, in an intelligent way and in a way where um, we know enough about our business and our offerings and our data to really help drive it in a proactive manner and not be you know, stuck in a reactive um, place. Absolutely. I think there's, you know, I, I've spoken with so many other leaders as well, and there's this ongoing concept of how uh, revenue accountants are now getting a seat at that table or proving their worth at the table. So as you do sort of, you know, explore this this SaaS uh, world and, and consumption, all of that, how is your team specifically getting involved in the different ways as the entire business is sort of figuring this out? I'm curious if you can give us some specific examples on that, because it's easy to say, you know, get involved. But what does that look like for your team? Yeah. So in a, we do it in a few different angles. Um, a couple of them from my team specifically is, um, and this is probably where we've made some of the most significant um, headway, is we have a team of people that sit with our deal desk team. And in addition to deal desk, there's sales ops and there's legal and we're at the table. And so not only are we trying to drive towards more standard terms, standard processing or versions of standards, but also when it comes to the customers where we are going to do high touch, but to be able to influence deal structure. And that's been a real game changer. And then um, we've also been able to bring the, the revenue accounting element of that. How do you get to revenue faster? Are there small tweaks we can make, or can we understand what the customer wants, what the motivation of the business is, and help to be that bridge? Um, because even with the best of, you know, the best lawyers and the best sales up and deal desk and, and strategic finance, um, it is at the end of the day, revenue that's going to drive time to revenue. And so bringing that into the table with that team, that's been a huge game changer. In addition to that, we're also really working on, on what is the future of the systems and how do we fully integrate and really so it's we've been um and I personally as well as a few others have sat on some councils where we are thinking about it from opportunity to renewal and we're bringing leaders in from all of those teams to talk about it so again it could take a more proactive stance as opposed to the old world of 
reactive, just make it work because it doesn't work that way. Not in a SaaS environment. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, it's funny, I'm sure you can appreciate this, but the pace at which we now move, even compared to say five or six years ago, is really wild to me. It's, it feels like on a daily basis, we're fixing things and moving on all at the same time, but still trying to keep some bit of order in all of that. So I imagine all of that's very difficult to do. So it's it's nice to see that at, at Genesis, you have that across the different cross-functional teams, it sounds like. We do. I mean, I don't want to underestimate some of the pressure that's still on the team to do it, <laughs> but it is key because it is, it's very real. I mean, there is an element of what are the right levers to pull as far as reducing some of the stress? And is there uh, is there any opportunity to say, just hold a minute. Um, we try to do that less and less. So we try to really think where can we optimize? We spent the last, you know, 12 to 18 months optimizing so we could effectively take that seat at the table as opposed to, you know, kind of having to say, well, hold on, make this, you know, if I can't be there, decisions will be made for me, um, which is not a great place to be. And so um, that's really kind of how we, we try to manage through it. But we do have to remind ourselves to take a breath every now and then. Uh, cause, cause you do, you know, you are at the risk of cracking or having the team crack and that's the, the last thing we can afford as well. Exactly. Now, so when it comes to revenue process optimization, how do you prioritize some of those things for your team so that they don't necessarily burn out, um, and, and allows time for some of those breaks, if you will? Yeah. That's a good question. So, you know, the way that I'm really think about it is there is an element of divide and conquer where we absolutely have to stay laser focused on our closes, on our audits, on our procedures and keeping up with the business demands. And then there is the element of, but we're also transforming as well. So we work very, very collaboratively, but there is an element of divide and conquer, make sure that we're um, really understanding each other's perspectives, we also move around a decent amount. And I think that's really important because then, you know, as opposed to being really, you know, convinced that, you know, this is the way something is, if you flip to the other side of the cube, you suddenly get a different perspective. And I think that's really important on my team and my leadership. Again, it, it also kind of helps balance out any risk of complacency and it just allows people to see things from a different perspective. So I really try to drive that as well. I think that's a fabulous approach, especially when, you know, so many times I think sometimes we hear, you know, uh, accountants are so um, rigid or structured, but it really sounds like you've sort of undone that a little bit to be open to some of the different things that can be done and the opportunities that may present themselves to be even better if you've got that that mindset of divide and conquer. So I think that's a great sort of approach to keeping everybody sane, but also keeping everybody involved and getting a, a lot of different um, viewpoints, which isn't always the case. Um, so again, kudos to you. It sounds like you, you guys have come a long way and I know you still feel like you have a long way to go, but certainly, you know, figuring it out in the best way possible for your team, which is, which is really incredible. Yes. Thank you. As we end here, I just wanted to think about the future of accounting. So curious, you know, where do you see as we think for forward looking, right, as we think about what some of the biggest opportunities might be for 
those in the accounting profession, you know, just in general, but also, you know, even more specifically when it comes to all of these new technologies and new um, business models that continue to emerge, where do you see some of the biggest opportunity for, for accountants? That's a great question. I mean, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about AI and some of the opportunities there. Um, this is an area where, again, you go back to change is coming. We have to be really smart about it and we have to drive more probably energy and excitement and less fear. I mean, at the end of the day, it's debits and credits, right? So having your core fundamental is always important and not to forget that, that at the end of the day and AI, shouldn't do everything for us. That would be, you know, just too high of a risk and a control nightmare. And especially now in these coming years where, you know, whether it's machine learning or AI or robotics, we've got to really leverage that. And so I think that's the big opportunity within accounting. And that's really, I think, where we're going to be going to be headed more and more. We just went live with our first um, AI power tool, which I'm so excited about. We went into parallel production in March. We're now live. Um, the tool is called Clarity. It's really helping us from an AI perspective to read our contracts, pull our key attributes, and really allow us to do more attribute-based reviews in a controlled world in which we were not able to do so in the past. And it's a real game changer. So that in addition to... Um, just this, the speed in which we can get things done will be, you know, in a fantastic place, saving a bunch of time and energy where we can put into actual value add activity. And I think that's what I really want people to understand is if you're clinging to, you know, the manual work in the way it used to be, you're just missing such an opportunity to get into the value add, get that seat at the table and the transformation. I need more and more people to do that, but I'm also convinced I have the right number of staff today. It's just, getting to those value-add activities, finding so much more simplicity in the way that things can be done by utilizing the tools to do it in a controlled way. You got to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, you have yep. to be mindful. Yep. Do it in a controlled way and, and sky's the limit as far as opportunities go. I really believe that. I think there is something that's incredibly important to less aversion and more adoption of AI uh, you know, I, I I see the fear. I wonder on a daily basis how it's going to impact me. But to your point, like if you are embracing that change, it really is. Then then that puts um, puts you at the forefront of what's going on. So I think overall, it's really great. And to hear that you're leveraging clarity is amazing for that that contract AI work. Um, you know, curious if you have any other plans in the near future around how you may be able to leverage AI in other accounting workflows, um, or maybe you've even started to, to implement it. Do you have any, any initial thoughts on that? I always love to hear how people are thinking about how it might be able to be incorporated in, in the actual accounting workflows beyond, of course, what you're already doing with Clarity. Yeah, so I would say we're doing a few things. So one in the world of consumption, we're working on an AI tool right now, um, more homegrown, but working on a more of an AI tool now 
for the predictability of the consumption. And so that's going to be a game changer for what will be our consumption-based accounting. In addition to that, we are working on a number of different business cases. Right now, we've um, implemented bots over the last few months, and they're really looking at, you know, matching sales order information, getting this billing information set up in our in NetSuite, which is currently our general ledger package. Um, so we're using it that way, but we're looking at so many business cases. They're, you know, really right there at our fingertips. Again, I want to emphasize we're doing it in a very controlled way. We have to be really careful about, you know, not not overly introducing AI and having it completely, you know, um, replace some of our key controls. So we're doing it, you know, first and foremost, bringing it in as an operating control. We still have eyes on this and we will for the foreseeable future. But game changer um, and so much untapped potential that is really close to our fingertips. That's a really good piece of, uh, or a a good tip to kind of keep in mind. Like you don't want to go all in, but you do need to be aware. So another great tip. So Jackie, this has been an awesome conversation. I do have one final question for you. What's the one thing that you thought to be true for revenue accounting, but maybe recently realized it actually doesn't necessarily hold true anymore? Gosh, that is a great question. I guess I look at it as maybe a little bit different of a question. I, I look at it as I, before I came onto the revenue accounting team, I I kind of avoided revenue. Like, oh, it's really complicated. I've heard <laughs> nightmares about 606. Yet I've also always lived my my accounting life as in, and really my life in general, my kids get tired of hearing me say this, is the only thing that's rocket science is rocket science, right? And so every problem has a solution. Some of them might be harder to get to. Some of them might take additional resources to get to. But at the end of the day, it's about, it goes back to the debits and credits. It's about accounting. So if you can just, you know, once we got organized and once we um, were really able to, you know, mobilize, put our, put our kind of finger on what is the problem, I think that's it. It's not, when you break it down, don't get me wrong. It can, you can look at the one side and say, oh my gosh, it, it can be overwhelming. But if you break it down to, it's the debits and the credits and it's the context, you know, you can also make it much more simplistic for yourself as well. It could not be more true and very well put. So Jackie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you and I really look forward to having you back again. Awesome. Thank you so much. And listeners, my DMs are always open to you. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn at mdaigle, that's E-M-D-A-I-G-L-E. Links are in the show notes and please stay in touch for more episodes and insights from other revenue and accounting leaders. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.